Welcome to Holy Ghosting, a podcast about deconstruction and figuring out what comes next. I'm Sarai Johnson. I'm Lindsay Stranigan. And I'm Meg Weber. And today I'm excited to introduce Joshua. Wait, I'm going to give more context. Don't worry. I know there's a million Joshuas out there. This is the original Sinfluencer. You know him and love him as Pastor Tristan and with his wife, Sage. Welcome to Holy Ghosting, Joshua. Hey, thank you. I'm glad to be here. This feels like a long time coming. That's we have right. been We have been fans since we first saw your TikToks back in the day. If you guys don't know, he... Uh, Tris- Pastor Tristan and Sage are on TikTok. We discovered them when you were doing uh, some original worship songs using some uh, pretty gnarly verses from the Old Testament. I want to know, yeah. when did Pastor Tristan and Sage, no title, just just to be clear, she does not have a title. No it's title. really important. Mm-hmm. Uh, when did you create them? How did they come into existence? Yeah, you know, it was, it was funny. There's this verse in Deuteronomy that that's if two men are fighting and the wife of one of them like reaches out to like basically to stop the fight and she touches one of their junk, you're supposed to cut off her hand. Like that verse is so fuck. And oh, oh sorry, I left the most important part out. Cut off her hand and show her no pity. Um, and so like, how dare her try and break up a fight, you know? How dare she? And Rude. so, and that- by touching their junk, though, I mean, I like her boldness. I'm going to say go for the balls if you're going to be stopping a fight. That's, That's what great. I think. That's interesting. I've always viewed it as an accident. Like, I've ne- I've always viewed it as, like, an accidental touch, which always made That's it worse I, yeah. to me. That does make then it you're worse. Just lopping off the hand because she grazed some other dude's junk. But in reality, I feel like that was maybe their go-to, and that's why there was a whole fucking law written about it. It's like, if you're going to break up a fight, everyone raised female knows the only place you can ever stop a guy from doing anything to you is by kicking him in the nuts. There you go. Right. right. And how many times did this actually happen to make it into the fucking book? That's what I want to know. And they kept it in all those years. They kept it in. It seems so specific. It's like Jebediah got in a fight with Hezekiah one day. And then Hezekiah's wife shows up and like Kate goes ahead and just like accidentally throws herself into the middle of the fight to keep them apart and accidentally touches one of their penis. And like that was Jebediah. He's not married to Kate. Real upset. He wrote Deuteronomy. That's my theory. (laughs) They didn't have like TikTok challenges back then. You know, this is like in the days before the youths were eating Tide Pods. So maybe this is just like what they were daring each other. Maybe the ladies were fucking bored and they were just like, hey, the next time you see a fight break out, just like give it a little, give it a little squeeze in that region. But then people were doing it so much that they started cutting off ladies' hands and showing them no pity. So that's yes. a little bummer. They're like, yeah. it's not cute. We don't like this TikTok challenge. <laughs> <laughs> this trend uh, needs to stop. So anyways, <laughs> that verse has always just lived in me. I've always thought it was funny. And so one day we were like hanging out and I was like, I was like, what if I was like saying this? And and it was like instantaneous. And then she did the harmony. And then we we're like, well, let's fucking make a TikTok. And I don't think the first one we were called Tristan and Sage. I think it was just like us putting this up there and we put this like tiny verse and then it kind of like blew up and we were, and there was like so much hate, but also like a lot of love. And we were like, oh, this is kind of cool. <laughs> and then, then it just kind of like went downhill, uphill from there. I don't know. <laughs> um, so, and then Presley named us. She's like, what if we just had the douchiest names? And that's what I'm excited to share. And I always love to share this is that like, really Presley 
does so much for Tristan and Sage. Um, you know, she writes the character of Tristan. So the the sad part about Tristan and Sage is that like she can relate to this like really well because she's been like put in this place by other men in ministry and things like that. Like, and I'm I'm glad to say. I was never that way. Like I was never, I, I'm sure that there were things that I did in my leadership that was, but I was always trying to be a good guy. Like, like never was like Tristan. And so she actually writes the character of Tristan and I feel uncomfortable as hell being Tristan. It's so weird. It was truly just funny to us. But then like we started seeing comments about people are like, this is really healing. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, backing up a little bit, I kind of gave up on music after I left the church. So I was like, I, and then my, this gift that I had as a worship leader, like, what the fuck do I do with this? Right? Like I used to get up in front of a bunch <laughs> yeah. of people and point them to God. And, and so like, how does this translate? Like what I would never use this again. And then it was like, oh my gosh, it's starting to be healing for me because now I'm like using this gift or this, whatever I, uh, this craft that I've developed over the last 20 years to fuck with people who are using the Bible as a weapon. And that's our main point. Like, we're not trying to just be trolls. Like, our whole thing with Tristan and Sage is that we see the Bible weaponized all the time. We see yeah. the LGBTQIA community, the BIPOC community. Like, we see so many people just ruined by this book and people's interpretations of the book. And so we thought, like, hey, let's pick up the fucking sword and swing it back. You know, and that was kind of our... That was our whole thing. And so that's why we still do it. Like it, 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 we, we love that it challenges people. We love when people will respond to them going like, it's out of context. No, it's not. We're just reading the <laughs> fucking words of your book and song. Like, yeah, it's, it's been about a year now that Tristan Sage started in November last year. It's been a bizarre little weird ride. <laughs> it's brought us a lot of joy. I'll tell you that. Oh, oh gosh, thanks. So, so much yeah. joy. And I think yeah. just pointing out, yeah, the ridiculousness of it and the people who are just like, the Bible is the perfect inerrant, like, word of God. Don't right. you dare. It's it's a nice, uh, nice look at that. Um, and just to make sure that people, so Joshua and Presley are mar a married couple and they have alter egos on TikTok, Pastor Tristan and Sage, uh, who cannot be a pastor because she is uh a woman so yeah she's right? got is the that... gift of administration oh, oh yeah she nice. does she, does she have hospitality too that yeah she has hospitality combo. often mm, you'll find her in the children's ministry oh of course bless her yeah, yeah, she i know just loves true children. servant oh. true servant wow what a what a wonderful servant's heart she while has. i spend a couple hours a week writing a message you know and then the rest just pretending i'm doing pastor stuff you know <laughs> well, I mean, you need to take 40 hours a week just to write a 20 minute or so sermon. So absolutely. You know, yeah. Absolutely. And so just a little bit more about your background before we launch into what we're getting into today. I'll let Sarai take that. But I'm curious. You were a worship pastor at a mega church. Mm -hmm. When did you like when did you get out or what was the thing like? Did Was there a final straw? Was it a long process of deconstruction? How did that look for you? Yeah. So it, it's a really long journey. And in fact, if I look back on it now, and I say this a lot, but I look back on it now and I think I was deconstructing from the moment that I, I got into the church because I, mm -hmm. I, I went into the church as this 14 year old um, 
who, who really believed like I was God at 16. I was so on fire for God. You know what I mean? Like yes, all of my friends weren't from the church. Like I was kind of aimless. Like I had some, some trouble, you know, some home life stuff going on. And, and, uh, and so I, I was lonely and I ended up at the church and they were like a comfortable place for me, but I was immediately thrown into purity culture and, and, and then learning about hell, like the first year I was in church, I went to one of those heaven's gates and hell's flames, like hell house. Oh, things. Yeah. Like, and it was my girlfriend at the time, it, her parents were like in the production. So I saw it like eight fucking times. Oh, yeah. And so like, I was so afraid of hell. Like I was like, and, and so, and then on top of that, I thought all of my friends, cause my main friend group was not, they were not from the church. And so I'm like, they're all going to hell and I need to do something to like, save them, you know? Yeah. And so, <clears throat> so the idea of hell for me was always a struggle and I was always trying to find the loopholes and same with, um, like the clobber passages and, you know, the mm -hmm. church's stance on LGBTQIA. Like I was always trying to like push through that because I had friends who are, are gay and, and I, this didn't resonate and it didn't line up with like the love part that they would like to kind of end the message on and the grace part, you know, like none of it. Yeah. And so, you know, I got hired right out of high school into this mega church and, um, and I stayed there at the same place 20 years and oh, they wow. abused the shit out of me. I didn't know any better. You know, I, I like, right. I was so young. They told me I didn't need an education because why would I need that? I just ha can go right in here and like, here's the stage, you know? And so wow. a lot of, you know, history there, making myself believe things. Um, at the same time, I had a marriage that was um, kind of built on a lot of that kind of same stuff. We got, we met when we were in high school, we saved ourselves for marriage. Mm -hmm. We, you know, we got married really, really young and my whole, like my marriage, my job, my career, my identity were all wrapped up into one. And so if one thing were to fall apart, like, Ooh, and yeah. so I just lived in yeah. this tension constantly. Mm -hmm. Basically, I, I ended up um, asking for a divorce and uh, for, for my wife, I brought it to the church. I was told like, hey, we want to walk through this with you. And they're encouraging me to like go do therapy. I was doing therapy, all this stuff. And turns out they were ultimately just kind of waiting to see when they should pull the trigger. And, and so then I was kind of let go from this church. They like smeared my name to make it easy for them. They call this, I don't like this. I, I hate saying this, but they called me the franchise at the church, like jokingly, like the senior pastor would jokingly call me the franchise because people would come because they liked the music that we were making and stuff like that, you know? And so they knew that there was like a, like people like me there and I wasn't like a bad dude and they didn't know what to do with it. And so yeah. they sent out an email to like, it's like something like 30,000 people that was like, Hey, we really need to be praying for Joshua. He's like having a dark night of the soul. We can't tell you what's going on. So then all like, you know, he had an affair. He, I, I heard so many things. I heard I was, you know, I ran off with a dude. Like I heard that I joined some polyamorous group, like, all these crazy things. And I was just some, like, I was broken. I was so like destroyed. So all I could do is like, I became a hermit. I went inside myself, kind of started reading a lot, de deconstructing my beliefs. And I became the best dad I could be and the best like human I can be. And through that fell in love with an amazing human and like have, I'm building a new life for myself. So it's, mm -hmm. it's, been quite the journey, but there's a lot of shit I left out. <laughs> <laughs>
There's always a lot of That's shit my testimony. under the surface. Thank you oh, for thank sharing you. your yeah. testimony. My testimony. We love to put the tea in testimony, and you certainly have. What's the word for your deconstruction testimony? Like what your testimony? Like what is it? Like I need to know what it is. Your like testimony. I don't out. know. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We're gonna workshop that. I think yeah, we let's... have some really good options. I wanna know what your positive testimony is. Like what is like one of the best things that's uh, in your life now that you get to live outside of your ex beliefs? Yeah, I mean, there is, there's always been a part of me that, you know, I identify, I'm an artist. I like, I like surrounding myself with art. I like immersing myself in art. Um, uh, and so there was always a part of me that felt like I was holding myself back, even from like, I le- I've always wanted to have, be tattooed, you know, and I always felt like, oh, I don't know if the church is going to be super cool, that, you know, and so things like that. I always felt like I was holding myself back because I was afraid of what others would see. Um, even in, even in like my sexuality and things like that. And so, so the freedom, the freedom of experience, you know, like of being able to like explore who I am, being able to like, just kind of learn who Joshua is after being like so repressed for, for so long. Um, that has been incredible. And then Mm -hmm. in, in that, like falling in love with someone too, and really like, not being like, not having this God first, like I have to love God more Mm. than I, I, you know, like I worship my wife. I was, would always like be afraid to say something like that, you know, cause it'd be like, Mm -hmm. but like, truly I hold her up on such a high level. And, um, I was always afraid that like, I I couldn't express that, you know, things like that or of that magnitude. So, and, but I always felt it inside. I love it. And also, congratulations on getting away from um, the place that kept you separated from yourself. Um, yeah, yeah thank for you. reals. The, the freedom is, feels good. Yeah. It really does. Speaking of freedom, let's talk about <laughs> religious freedom. <laughs> what a transition what a Love thank it. you you're a professional yeah a motherfucking a pro <laughs> move over terry gross today we're going to talk about the war on xmas and i said it like that on purpose because it's powerful and because i think it's really funny when people are like they're taking the christ out of christmas that's Who's the best there? one it is it's, it's a really a good one, one. Yeah. So this war on Christmas is a long, heavy battle that has gone on for a couple decades at least. But (laughs) if you really want to go back to the beginning of the war on this holy, sanctified goddamn day, Christmas. Yes, I do. Take The birth of baby Jesus. The Puritans did not. Take kindly to celebrations of Yuletide because they did not feel that those celebrations lined up with their view on the Bible. And so in the Massachusetts Bay Colony, they outlawed Christmas from 1659 to 1681. Uh, They were the most successful warriors in this war. The Puritans? A holiday. Yeah, the Puritans hated everything. Except hard work and suffering. (laughs) And so we still carry that in our genes, I guess. (laughs) So that was cool. Then let's like fast forward a bunch because I don't know. I couldn't find any other information about the in-between times. And who cares? Like that was a 1600s. It's ridiculous. Early win on the front against Christmas. (laughs) 
in the 20th century, Henry Ford, you might know him. There's a hat resembling him, Joshua. Way to represent. I'm sorry. I'm about to say something terrible, but he had a newspaper he owned. I love that people own newspapers. It's like such a cool thing in our society. Like the free press is owned by capitalists, but okay. Henry Ford looked at the war on Christmas and pointed at Jewish people. He wrote, it was like a many part series called like the international Jew, our biggest problem or something like that. Like it was a big thing. Jewish people didn't always love having Christmas foisted upon them. And so Henry Ford and and whoever was writing these articles uh, really pointed at them for being the people who were persecuting them because they didn't support um, carolers or having all the holidays in public schools be around Christmas, etc. All right. Then we get to the 50s, which I know and you know was a wonderful time in American history with the Red Scare. And so... Once that all was coming about, people were um, blaming communists for this. The red scare, but not green and red, is kind of what I'm seeing here. They're really (laughs) sad about communists, and they probably spelled Christmas with an X, so they were taking the Christ out of Christmas. Um, Sidebar, so I went to Christian college, as you all know, (laughs) shines fingernails, and (laughs) One of my favorite things was when my religion professor, Larry Anderson, who we love Larry, true diehard fans will understand is very key in all things uh, deconstruction for me, weirdly. He wrote Merry Xmas up on the board and just waited for that guy (laughs) slash all of the people in my college were that (laughs) guy, the boy ones. To be like, what are you doing? You're taking Christ on Christmas. And he's like, au contraire, mon frere. I am writing Xmas because key, the Greek letter, that looks like an X, is the like secret Jesus followers way that they would acknowledge being Christian. And so when we say Christmas with an X, the key looks like an X, but it's really the same as Christ. It's like the symbol of Christ. So that's really cute. Love it. We're so So suck it, American Christians. Yeah, learn some Koine Greek, bitch. But then, like, (laughs) what are they going to have to be persecuted about? Like, that's, you know, they need something to, like, taking the word Christ out of Christmas is, they got to have their martyr complex. So let them have it. Let them have it. It's our favorite thing when we were Christians to feel, like, really persecuted. So even though it literally means Christmas and <laughs> Christ, uh, it's still a persecution against them. So honestly, it's fun because you win every game when you're always the one being persecuted. Like, congratulations. Or like making it seem like you are. Yeah. I just remember being a teenager and back in like the T9 texting days, like back when we all had the Nokia with like snake game on it. Mm-hmm. Um, like texting the word Christmas was a pain in the ass. And so as a good Christian, like teenager, I was like, can I just use that? X like it's just easier like yeah. it's just so much easier so now, if only I had known uh your if only Larry yeah. he I mean, do you think it better. was easy for Jesus when he hung on the cross for your sins you know I mean honestly come on Lindsay honestly. come on spell it out <laughs> spell it out yeah get some thumb exercise it's his goddamn oh. birthday you know Ow. what <laughs> guilt is high around Christmas <laughs> yeah yeah you so ungrateful true. wretch, you did this. You, <laughs> you did, did this. 
And he was just a fucking baby. Okay, <laughs> you jerks. Ugh, sad guy. Okay. Another villain uh, in the war against Christmas, according to people in the 20th century, um, a couple big hitters, the United Nations, John Whoa. Birch Society, pointing that one out for us. Thank you, John Birch Society, famously extremely like white nationalist bullshit. And the ACLU, obviously. They hate Christmas because they're always like, Religious freedom means everyone has it and not just Christians to impose it on other people. And Christians are like, fucking, hey, no, we want everything and them nothing. And that's part of the problem. <laughs> Things really heated up, though, because then at the end of the 20th century, the turn of the century, 1999, a wildly anti-immigration immigrant from Britain. So he was white. I guess that made it fine. Um, James Brimlow started a contest on the internet, the newly formed internet that everyone was so excited about back then, uh, to crown the worst offender in the war against Christmas. And the first year, the winner of that dubious title was HUD, the United States Department of Housing and Urban Development. And the reason why they won this like title is because they hosted a party called a celebration of holiday traditions. Wow. Not a Christmas party. How, How dare they? How dare they? Wow. <laughs> what other traditions Shame are there? <laughs> can't believe it. Inclusion is not Christ-like. Everyone knows that. Why right? would we? It's, it's written in plain English right there in the Bible. It, exactly. In King James fucking English, it's like, <laughs> send the little children to a different party. Minus for Christmas, and <laughs> I'm not bringing any toys for the tots. Just kidding. He would have, of course, he would have brought so many toys for the tots. So many shoe boxes. Oh, so many all of them boxes. wrapped in beautiful wrapping paper. Because you know, when Jesus was born, he. This is a little known fact that people don't know, but because there was so little in the manger, so like the like little stable that they were in, they had to use beautiful gilded wrapping paper to swaddle baby Jesus and lay him in the manger in the straw. So oh. I just wanted to let you all know that is true. Uh, don't try to find it written down anywhere. I because made it up right now. the gift. He, he is, is the gift. He's the reason for the so much. This is so I'm learning so much right now. This is I mean, well, story time with Sarai is going really well. Oh I, yeah. I mean, no big deal. Sarai and I both have like degrees in the Bible. So the Bible. It's fine. <laughs> Whatever. We just know everything about God in the Bible. So it's cool. <laughs> Buckle up. You're welcome. So this guy, James Brimelow's Operation V-Dare, has been uh, named as a hate group by the Southern Poverty Law Center since 2003 because he's an extreme white nationalist. Mm, <laughs> so weird, isn't it? Weird. And then in 2005, a fellow conservative John Gibson wrote a book called, this is my favorite title of any book ever, so get ready, The War on Christmas, How the Liberal Plot to Ban the Sacred Christian Holiday is Worse Than You Thought. Oh. And guess who loved it? <laughs> guess who loved that fucking book and had him on his show right away? Rush Thus, Limbaugh. you wish. We all wish it was Rush, but it was not Rush who opened up this can of Worms. Who do you know any public figure who's like the key figurehead in being the harbinger who tells us about the war on Christmas? Who do you Pat think? Robertson? Of? Okay, good guess. Good guess. James Dobson didn't have a show. Jerry not Falwell. Chris, not a Christian. 
per se. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Way oh. off. Yeah. Bill O'Reilly. Bill O'Reilly. Yeah, we'll do it live. We'll do it live. Right. I guessed every other stupid conservative male. So, okay. So Bill O'Reilly made like a decades long meal out of the war on Christmas. It's like such a ubiquitous topic. I found a billion articles about it. And, you know, I thought I'm going to read all of these. I'm going to do deep dives. And then I was like, this is so boring and dumb because it literally is just American white Christians being like, we don't like it that other people take up space and we think we need to be the only ones in charge of everything and everyone else needs to live just like us. So anyway, um, pretty cute. Focus on the Family in 2008 published a list of retailers that were rated from Christmas friendly, Christmas negligent and Christmas offensive so that their faithful automatons would follow that and shop at the appropriate stores. And the way that they would determine this is like, did they say Merry Christmas primarily or only talk about Christmas? Or did they also sometimes say Happy Holidays? And then, of course, Christmas offensive was you don't say Merry Christmas. You say Happy Holidays and other things that, you know, give glad tidings of the season, but not specific enough. For Christians to have their special day noted. And so I want to give you a little quiz. This war continues to wage on. <laughs> I also found like 1 billion articles just from last year about it. And I got to say the discourse is pretty stale. So, I mean, we're really coming in hot 20 <laughs> years in to this conversation. And hot I don't takes. Know. I'm kind of feeling <laughs> like let's just call this what it is. So here's a quiz. What do you think this terrible alleged war is all about? A, it's a great way to fill airtime on Fox News and similar conservative networks. <laughs> B, an earnest plea to all Americans to find the true meaning of Christmas. Mm. C, a culture war that is actually about white Christian hegemony and the fear of others, anybody who celebrates the not Christmas holiday or is non-white Christian cis and straight. Do we? All and it could be two or more. Okay. I'd say yeah. not all of the above because I did accidentally throw one in there that that's yeah fine. the middle one okay. no thanks no yeah, yeah. The first right. and I like these two yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah okay A and C A, A and C. C a great way to fill some fucking airtime for Bill O'Reilly in particular but <laughs> also lots yeah. of yeah. other people who still do it and of course the reality strikes again that white heteronormative Christian quote unquote shit <laughs> is the only way and everyone else should suffer so uh, it's so cute that we just keep doing the same thing so fun yes Lindsay. um i have a question mm. can i know who the worst offenders were like who was on the shit list like i because i have a distinct memory I don't know if you guys have memories who were in the conversation because I remember my parents being up in arms about this and Rush Limbaugh certainly did take up this torch. Like he talked about the war on Christmas for sure. I think I, was I like know about the way war. out of Rush zone by the time this was happening. So thank goodness for me. But yes. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't listening to him, but my parents were. And so, you know, mm. the trickle down effect, at least as far as conversation <laughs> is concerned, unfortunately <laughs> works. Works with Rush Limbaugh. Um, it works for shitty pieces of news and information. Um, I remember people being up in arms about Starbucks. Yes. Mm-hmm. That was a big one. Yep. Yeah. And I don't know why. Like Starbucks gets it a lot because they Always. do go happy holidays pretty early. 
on. And then there right. was all this like conspiracy about the like satanic the shit on their cup, right? The like, cups. Yeah, yes. the cups. The cups. I love that like, one. They, want, were... they like snowflakes, but no Santas. You know, yes. like there was weird distinctions being made. Yeah. People, they felt this ownership because Starbucks leans into holiday so much, right? And does feel very Christmassy in there. And so the fact that they stopped saying Christmas and then maybe changed the cup design and people decided that the cup design was too um, secular, I think. Secular. It didn't feel Christmassy enough. And so that was like <laughs> Christmassy, I think, is what because, they saying. Because Starbucks was such a bastion of like... Uh, of godliness and holiness, right? Yeah. Before all of this. But this was very... I, think, I think a lot of churches served the Starbucks coffee in their like church, you know, thing. Whoa. The coffee of like... the satanic no, they... symbol of the double-tailed mermaid? Yeah. No, Stop. my church coffee shops only served Kirkland. Okay, we only served Costco. <laughs> Let's be honest about what churches are actually up to. They're serving you <laughs> Farmers Union or whatever the worst possible thing they can. Yeah, whatever Folgers. is cheap. Actually, my church always had folders, like the big giant tub of Nasty. them. Ugh. Okay. Okay, so the true meaning of Christmas one, I do want to mm-hmm. mention that um, I just want to see everyone's, what do you all think of the Jesus is the reason for the season posters? That are starting to come out again because it's holidays. The yard signs yeah. that people put up like they're in a political I ha- race. Uh-huh. I have a neighbor. I have a neighbor that puts up a Jesus reason for the season. Keep the Christ in Christmas. A I reason think the funner way to say it is Jesus is the reason for the season because it's rhymey. It's so much rhymes. more fun. We love rhymes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The true meaning of Christmas. What do you think about it, Joshua? The true meaning of Christmas? Well, it's – I struggle with it. I struggle that – a 13-year-old girl who didn't consent to having a baby stuck Holy in her. spirit yeah, coming upon weird. her. Yeah. Yeah. She was kind of voluntold a little bit, you uh, know? She sure was. But, I mean, let's be honest. She's a girl, so that's yeah. has to be expected. So, yeah. Honestly, for me, it's fun. I don't I – don't, I just – I never bought into that stuff. I always felt a little weird about it. I was like, I don't know. This doesn't make sense, but when I get to heaven, it'll all make sense. Like, I kind of – Yeah. It's so ridiculous to me now, like seeing these signs, the Jesus is the reason for the season, you know, and I came from a a family that would bring out a birthday cake with like with a tiny little naked white baby (laughs) in the center of it. And we would all sing happy birthday to little tiny naked baby Jesus. (laughs) Really? That's incredible. My family did the thing where the... The nativity was was set up all of December, except there was no baby in it. Yep, ours too. And you had to find the baby to like help it be born into the major. Like it was somewhere hidden. I don't know when the hiding happened. I think it was probably just a way to like get the kids busy doing something yes. instead of asking if they could open more presents, like Christmas Eve kind of thing. And you'd find the baby and whoever found the baby, I don't know, maybe you got another jewel in your crown or something. Probably. <laughs> That'd be nice. I guess the prizes were weird when I was, was everyone like, was it like a legit competition? Like people were like, I'm going to find the fucking baby this year. Yeah. Like, this, is, this is my yeah. my calling. Bragging rights or whatever. I'd find that baby. <laughs> it's funny. Like when I think about growing up and Christmas, like Christmas was so Jesus-y in my household that like it actually took me a long time to realize that like, oh, people don't celebrate this holiday. You know, like people's traditions of eating Chinese food on Christmas or whatever it is, you know, like all, or Jewish people. Did I even know that they existed barely? I think as a white evangelical 
pastor's kid. It was, it's just so interesting because I was like, well, yeah, of course Jesus is the reason for the season. Like, duh, you know? And like we had Santa kinda, he wasn't totally, like it was definitely Jesus, but like my parents still like, there was a gift from Santa under the tree on on Christmas morning. There was like That's one fun. unwrapped, you know? So it was like, but that if we asked my parents, like if we believe it, like if Santa was real, they would lie to us about it. So it was never like, that's kind of how we did Halloween. Like it wasn't, we could dress up and we could trick or treat, but like we couldn't be anything scary and we sure as shit couldn't like decorate or really get into it. It was like this weird gray area. So it's, I have such mixed feelings about Christmas because we're going to record a Christian Christmas music fantasy draft. And it'll be interesting, Josh, with you not growing up in the church, because for me, that is one piece that I have, as I have deconstructed and left evangelicalism. And and I'm someone who still identifies as a person of faith. I attend in the Episcopal church. So I still have, you know, some Advent traditions and what have you. But man, those old school, like Christmas albums that I grew up with, I don't know that I'll ever be able, like there's so much nostalgia wrapped up in it to me. And I think Amy Grant Christmas songs will make me cry for the rest of my life. I don't even if I'm like, this is kind of garbage. But at the same time, we do love us. We talk about Amy Grant a lot on this podcast. I make an exception for Amy Grant Christmas songs in my life. Okay. As, yes. Yeah. There's no other like Christian artist that gets to speak into my life other than Amy Grant. Good That's choice. right. So. Yeah. 100%. Yes. Saint. The patron saint of the pod, you know, let's, <laughs> let's just be honest. <laughs> let's, we stand a woke queen. We my friend. Yeah. What about you, Meg? Do you What's have thoughts about the war on Christmas and like, <laughs> what you thought it was and did it ever did you ever buy into that like were was this something on your radar at all I did I think the war on Christmas was like a really big deal because uh we I grew up in churches very charismatic and so we always did passion plays and um there was a lot of performance elements that were a part of our pageantry that we would have during every holiday at you know at church so I think I I just had a memory that uh, my brother and I played Mary and Joseph one year as elementary school children <laughs> in our Christian school pageant. Wow. Okay. I'll see if I can find photos Not of that. Be. That was yeah. awkward. Yeah. It, we really got our so Mary awkward. and Joseph to right basically Right on par match. with the Bible. Right? But exactly. Also, <laughs> I, I kind of in my mind, I don't know, it was eight or nine. I, in my mind, I kind of thought, well, she didn't like do it with Joseph. <laughs> So it's kind of okay <laughs> that it's your brother. <laughs> I mean, they did go on to have other children, but okay. I, you know what? I was nine. Just what do you think? I think if if I were nine, I would have to justify something like that. That way, but yeah. I mean, the war on Christmas is like a big fucking deal because we were always being persecuted, and so this was just another way to be like, why would they try to take Jesus's birthday away from him? Like that's so mean. Everybody loves a birthday. Yeah. Like it's especially, awkward, you know. Jesus. He has oh. a lot of wishes to make. I, I have a little bit of a different so being young and invited into the church at 14, I became a fucking tyrant to my family because I was like I, I thought I I was on a mission. I had to save them all. So yeah. I waged my own war on Christmas for my family. I'm like you all are not celebrating this right. You know, I dragged them to fucking church with me. I, <laughs> so cringy. Oh my God. Like, did you whoa. get them all saved? I did. I, and then, but my poor family, they, they're, they're, I love them. We have grown 
a tremendous amount. My mom and I, our relationship, it was very rocky for a long time. It's beautiful now, but it's so, you know, they, they're, they're really kind people. And so when I came around, it's always funny because they got really religious, like over religious when I would come around, like my mom would like put a cross necklace on. She's just keeping you off her case. Oh, totally. Yeah. Fucking judgy McJudgy over here. Like Chris, Jesus is the reason for the season, mom. So yeah, I would have put that on our lawn if I if that that sign would have been available to me. That was fantastic that's, to hear. That's really honestly. adorable and yeah, cringy. Yeah, that's <laughs> what a what a like swap of from how we were. I mean, raised yeah. anyways. Like it was just forced upon me. It was like there was no other option. Like Jesus was the reason for the damn season, and that was that. So it feels like the war on Christmas in some ways the like hyperbolic, public-facing, everyone's writing articles about it still every fucking year. And, you know, it was marginally important in our lives, it sounds like, if at all. It feels like it was such a big conversation, and now it is just pretty much, I feel like, across, like, people are making things way less religious and it's more happy holidays as sort of the, like, nationally understood. So it feels like Christians have... They lost the war, right? I mean, they still have Christmas. (laughs) They do. Christmas did not go away. It's not gone. It's like more like militia groups now. They're just kind of, you know, like it's not the the full shebang. (laughs) They have to go out into the woods. They live in corrugated metal huts. They celebrate Christmas. They take the Eucharist. They only worship baby Jesus on the cross. Worship baby the Jesus baby on the cross. <laughs> All of and they. Oh, oh, he's so little up there. That's really sad. <laughs> well, so and they they sure shit aren't going into any Starbucks or Target no. or you name the business Disney. I was just a Disney mm-hmm. for the Christmas. I worked at Disney in my early twenties, and even then, it was completely secular. Happy holidays. Like Disney is, oh, talk about inclusivity. Disney is like, they've gotten it for a long time. And Christians are usually big mad at Disney. So, like, That's thing. Right. Christians and they Disney always come have back around. Such a cute little will they, won't they, you know? But it's right. always, yes, they will again, but yes, they'll be worry. mad for a minute because of don't whatever gay things. I they'll guess. get something like, out of the vault and everybody will be back. It's fine. <gasps> Bambi's back. <laughs> so I want to know. Because I remember very, very distinctly when I was young, knowing people, I don't believe my parents did this, but people in our church, they would say Merry Christmas to everyone like out of spite, to, to, tr- yeah. to troll people in secular mm-hmm. spaces. They would like refuse to say anything else. If they knew someone was Jewish or what, or non-religious or whatever, they would say Merry Christmas. Or if you said Happy Holidays to someone, they would say Merry Christmas back. Are people, do they still do that shit? I'm sure that yeah. they do. Oh, yeah. Is that a yeah. thing? I'm still getting Merry Christmas as a reply, I think, this year. I mean, I'll get a tally for you and I'll let you know. Oh, that's a great idea. <laughs> I try really hard to not say Merry Christmas. Like, it's like a it's like a new conditioning in me of like, yeah, happy holidays. Because uh, truly, I, I always felt like as a Christian, I had it's my fucking holiday. So, I it, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going to say Merry Christmas, Happy Christmas. We're celebrating Christmas. But yep. yeah, no. <laughs> Now I try really hard. It's just kind of one of those things that's like burned into me. So I try really hard to be like, happy holidays. Because why not include everyone? Why Why not? not? There's more than one holiday too, by the way. Like it's not like we're just talking about the one 
just the ones that Christians celebrate Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's all in the same couple of months as to the current ish discourse that I've seen the 2022 stuff the 2023 stuff a lot of people are still writing about it and it also does feel like it's a little bit rote by now it's just like okay we've had this conversation forever um and most of the stuff I'm seeing is opinion pieces coming out by people who are like there's no war on Christmas can we stop also this is about inclusivity and I think coming to similar conclusions as like just Point by point, walking through the people who publicly have been claiming there's a war on Christmas from forever ago, it it literally has always been about we are uncomfortable sharing space with anyone who's not like us, or at least doesn't pretend to be like us or who can assimilate well enough that we know that they're us. Is like we are always creating others that's necessary in capitalism. It's necessary in colonialism. It's part of patriarchy. I mean, it's like the same four sh- fucking things again. That's why we are having to even talk about the idea that there's a war on Christmas is because white Christians, white Christian nationalists even, I'll go as far as to say, are incapable of feeling for other people relating to them, not understanding what it's like to be a minority in any way. For the most part, like most of the people are really, really like rude about it. So, yeah, the discourse is a lot more about that, which I am glad because I think it is an important way for us to start seeing it and like recognizing that when these culture wars are fomented, they're always for political reasons. They're not really for religious reasons. They're to keep people watching their shows and buying their books. And you're just playing to the basest, most disgusting urges of humanity by doing that. And that's, I think the war between liberalism and conservatism is a lot about that. It's not necessarily all about that, but it is certainly, you know, individualism versus the collective slash the systems and so forth. And then we have this, like, this is for white people. (laughs) Truly. That's what people are starting to say. And I think it's a welcome change to the discourse, frankly, because it's been very shallow and very much about like, say Merry Christmas. You know, even a couple of years ago, Donald Trump was like, people are saying Merry Christmas again and you love it. Like, I'm a great president. Like during coronavirus, he was saying that. I mean, that's how he made America great again. He put the Christ back in Christmas. Oh, thanks. Thank you. What a holy oh, man. I He must have learned that from two Corinthians. <laughs> he must have. Amazing. Such a biblical scholar, that man. Right out. Yeah, so we, you know, have. Yeah. So mis- <laughs> just a really misunderstood little, little creature. Um, I mean, I love this shift in thinking away from just this only being about the Jesus's birthday part of the holiday, because like you were saying, there are so many other American holidays. There are other cultural holidays. But um, this year I started to say happy holidays before Halloween, just as like a general way to start saying, hey, it's holiday time. I would love to to ask each of you kind of what are some of your newly minted or favorite holiday things to do that you do now, especially outside of your Christian or spiritual practices during the dark times of the year. Joshua, what are you and Presley getting up to that uh, people maybe can steal as a new fun thing to do this holiday? Oh my God. I, I'm so glad I get to talk about this because 
So for me, Christmas was always pure hell. Working at a mega church, Christmas time, your life is not your own, and the hol- you miss the holiday season. So really, yeah. for a long time, I hated Christmas and I resented Christmas. So I am now like full Christmas. I am Father Christmas. I love Christmas. <laughs> well, I got my fucking lights up before Thanksgiving. Thank you yes. very much. Good job. You know, I, I'm just, I'm all about it. And And here's the thing too, having two young children and not really getting to invest in the season with them was always really hard for me. And so now I get to like fully invest. We, you know, we kind of have a tradition of getting hot chocolate and going to look at the lights. Very original, I know. Um, and, but I, but I love it. I love that. I just, I'm allowed to immerse myself into, in the Christmas spirit. I watch Christmas movies. I fucking love it. I'm just, I'm like a Christmas dude now where I wasn't before, but I'm saying Christmas all over the place. And I, again, I don't know how to get rid of that's fine. I mean, it is still a holiday, right? And at yeah. the end of the day, like it's one we choose to celebrate. And I don't think that there's anything inherently wrong with that. I just think, again, like the understanding that there are other holidays out there and not everyone chooses to celebrate this one. And like most of Americans get into Christmas. They do. It's fun. It's a time of gift giving and people cozy up and you get a lot of time off and it's baking and a big holiday meal. Like I think that it can be whatever – people want it to be. I mean, in my family growing up, I was the Christmas queen. That's literally what I was called. Like I so into the tradition, like the day after Thanksgiving, I want to get that tree and I want to get it up. And, you know, I'm planning like the things I'm going to bake. And I've been hosting holidays here at my house for several years. And again, with everything, like my life has just been stressful and I am finding like less joy in some of those things. And as some of my family dynamics are, a little bit more fraught as siblings deconstruct and the parents are still very evangelical. And so like one weird thing this year is I have a, I got a fake tree um, and I got off my buy nothing group and it is bright red and it's so different for me, but finances can be so stressful this time of year. And like my daughter saw it and she was like, I had this idea. I was going to like put the tree on my porch and have like an outside decoration. And she was so into the red tree And I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. I don't have to go cut down a tree the day after Thanksgiving. This is bringing her joy. Like things don't have to be the way that they've always been. Like I can Mm -hmm. just let go of like how I've always done things because that's the way I like things. And in some ways I'm like, oh, I don't have to water this thing. I'm not going (laughs) to like saw it down and put it in my compost in a month, which is always a little bit weird and depressing anyways. And yeah, I don't know. It's just like these little things where I'm just realizing that like, I need to do what's good for me and my mental health <laughs> this mm-hmm. holiday season. Like that's that's it. And there is beauty in some of that. And I think that like I was thinking a lot about like I went to this like progressive evangelical church in Portland for a long time who gets really into Advent, right? And their whole thing is like not buying into commercialism and not, um, you know, not spending all this money and not doing Black Friday and da da da. And I remember I was so anti, you know, Black Friday and all this stuff for so long and everyone makes their gifts, which again, wonderful, sustainable. Like those are good ideas. But also now that I've realized that like, oh, you know, like there's a lot of people who shop on Black Friday because they can't afford things otherwise. And it's like so classist of me to, and like, just like the world is hard and realizing I don't have time to make everybody gives no fucking way. And it's a great idea. And if you have that in you and that's like in your heart and you want to do that, 
go for it. But like shaming people into like how you need to do holidays and how Jesus would do the holidays or however it's masked, right? Like however they they couch this message. I think that I've just learned that like, no, I have to do like what's best for me in this. Mm -hmm. And for so long, I think I have the, the, the helper in me, the, the Christian woman of it all. The gift of hospitality. that That I had to do everything for everyone and be the hostess with the mostest and have all the perfectly wrapped gifts and have the gorgeous real tree that I cut down in the forest. And you know what? Just saying fuck that this year. So I love that you are finding freedom in not doing tradition. And I think that that is like such great liberation. It's just really okay. Like this is going to just sound dumb, but, uh, I love watching you thwart your own traditions, like hearing, (laughs) I mean, in the last pot, the last episode we published, I was like, tell everybody your Thanksgiving plans. Like you had (laughs) planned to host and you instead went with a much less stressful option. You seem like, you know, calm. It just feels, it feels different. And I like that for you a lot. And it's really cool to see you kind of taking that power back for yourself and remembering that your life is actually for you to live. And yeah. I love that so <laughs> it's really great. Love yeah. that my joy. Feel that joy it. and like live in it. It's yeah. so good. What are you doing now, Meg? Like since, well, I don't know about Christmas or whatever, but like what is your winter holiday slash winter mood these days? Um, yeah, I mean, for a long time, our family has asked for experiences over tangible physical things. Um, so in the past, we would ask our in-laws or, you know, people to pitch in on a gift where we could go to the children's museum. So we get a membership for the year or something like that. Um, and we tried doing that and, you know, people kind of just really liked giving stuff to my kid. And so some years that's just what it looked like. And, um, this year, I started to make that shift around the Thanksgiving holiday. We did not celebrate that. We celebrated our dam's giving, which was we don't give a damn about Thanksgiving. It's a colonist holiday. And I just don't want to celebrate that anymore. Um, and so we kind of started shifting into what could um, experiences be that we gift each other. And time was one of the biggest ones that we found that giving each other our time to just be together, um, to nourish each other in different ways, mentally, spiritually, physically, emotionally, and with really good food and drinks, um, libations abound. And I just, I kind of want to keep that going. I loved being able to host people, um, The menu was kind of just a collaborative thing that we all did together. So there was a lot of like making and creating and um, and a lot of naps and walks and just being together. And I want to carry that tradition. I want to continue that throughout the year because like I'm my kids, right? Smashing all these holidays all together. And then you have this starvation mode for the rest of the year. It's like I want to continue to create a safe space where people get to come and just exist and like, I don't know, be together. This is part of that chosen family thing that we we talk about. Um, but that loss of community, that loss of like singing together and being together in a space, I, I miss that. I crave that. So I'm trying to find new ways of building that into even my everyday life, but certainly, certainly during the holidays. It's like where I miss that 
family community tradition thing the most. Uh, Sarai, do you have any, yeah. like, I, I need some new things. Yeah, I have, I've been shifting this for a long time. I think what is really interesting to me is like the first year after I had like officially left the church for reals, for reals, forever, uh, it was weird and hard. Like Christmas Eve made me really sad because I like didn't work at a mega church, but I led worship at a regular old church and I really loved our Christmas Eve service. It was always really special and fun and like we made it really sweet and it was mostly music. I mean, we would just be singing a lot together with everybody and, you know, other things that we normally wouldn't do, like just some it was just, it was really special to me. And I loved it because we always had candles at the end and everyone would light their candle on each other's candle and it would go like around the sanctuary. I said sanctuary and on purpose because sometimes it sounds like that in songs because you need to shorten it. It's like a really long I really word, liked so the to... way you said it. It, it yeah. was pleasing. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, good. I'm so glad. again? Sanctuary. Mm-hmm. There it is. <laughs> yeah. It's fun. It's kind of like shawarma. Um, <laughs> yes. Actually, that sounds really nice. Uh, okay. So... I, I really liked that. I miss it. I think I've tried over the years to identify the elements of what it was that was so like compelling for me at that time. And it is about being together in in a space and a time. And it's about like the light is really important to me too. The candles, the ability to just watch it kind of flow around. Like our lights light other people's lights lighter. It, it just feels like a beautiful tradition, uh, you know, outside of the confines of Christianity, which is no longer a place that I choose to dwell. So that's been a challenge. But over the last year, last year in particular, I think I did it pretty radically different than how I've done it before. For several years now, I've had a a living tree. And so we had one last year that died because it turns out you can't keep a, a cypress tree in your house for all of the month of November and December. So don't try it. But it was a beautiful tree. Um, RIP the tree. I later burned it. So it's fine. I actually took all of my Christmas decorations besides the lights to, you know, St. Vinny's. And so I've decided now I'm celebrating solstice. I'm celebrating the return of the light. I ever since I realized I wasn't a Christian, because it took me a while to actually like get there. I knew it, but I didn't know it, you know, like I wouldn't say it because I didn't know what else to be. Um, But I've been very focused on and connected with my own body and my own body cycles and also the wheel of the year and some of the different traditions that help us mark seasons that have been part of humanity forever Um, and just living in tune with what is around me. And so this year I'm planning to do something probably between like the 15th to the 22nd of not really an advent, but a an excitement about the return of the light. Because I got to say, like these darkest days of the year really, really take it out of me. Like I, I really feel like I become a weird hibernating stress case. And it's I'm not even doing that much stuff. So I'm like, just be kind. Um, we'll light candles. We'll have some fires outside. Like it is, it's going to be good. My favorite thing last year was, uh, instead of just having like a family holiday and doing presents and stuff, uh, we did presents on Christmas Eve and then on Christmas day had our chosen family and families, uh, come over. And then for the whole afternoon, we had an open house where we just told all of our friends, 
a lot of them live here without family and, you know, other things. And so we just had our friends come by and stop by whenever we were playing games and had snacks and treats and drinks and like whatever fun stuff. And we just hung out all day at the house and had people coming through and it was the best. We had so many good friends just stop by for a while and like meet each other, which is always my favorite too. I like to make worlds collide. So there's going to be some little worlds colliding things, hopefully, and lots of light, lots of freaking light, because I don't know if I'm, I don't think I'm formally diagnosed as having seasonal affective disorder or sad, but I don't know. I think it's kind of normal for the light to be needed. And I got to tell you. I could never live in Alaska. So bless you people who can deal with this like forever midnight. You're amazing. I can't do it. I can't do it. I think that all sounds so beautiful. I love that like your celebration of light and just having people over for a chill day and Christmas. That sounds magical. I also think that like so many traditions around this time of year, if you look at Hanukkah, I mean, even Advent, like they are centered around celebrating the light. And I think that there's something so beautiful. And I think that you can take that into whatever faith tradition that you have. And like in the darkest time of the year, there is something really beautiful, like that the light is coming, that there is a light in the darkness, whatever that means to you. Like there are parts of Christianity that like are really hard for me, but that like seeking after a light in the darkness is I think it's powerful and it's important. And yeah, I think that um, there there can be beauty in those things. And I think that I get why some of all that, like even talking about that, even saying that verse could be triggering to some, I get that. But that's still one part that I, that I hold to. And again, like we're in the Pacific Northwest. It is really fucking dark right now. <laughs> like it is just, it's a dark season. And so I think that I have my little Advent candle holder and I just light them all. I know you're supposed to light one for everybody. I'm like, I just want more light. I want more. Give me the light. <laughs> light all the candles. The war on Christmas is exhausting and silly, but it's also very much about white Americans and the fear of the other. It's like kind of our thing uh, to do that. Uh, and I think we don't really necessarily need to give it any more air. I think we can move on. Uh, I am moving on. I don't care about it anymore. Like now that we've recorded this episode, I'm never going to really speak of the war on Christmas again. Probably. <laughs> I, I don't hope care. not, man. Just <sighs> people just say happy holidays. It's not going to kill you. Also, anyone listening to this podcast right now, I think they're saying happy holidays. I'm just going to go out there <sighs> and say. this far. Unless they just like to hate, listen, and be offended at everything I say. Do you about think you them. have hate listeners, though? A few. We know. I, I have a handler from my old megachurch. Like, I have someone who follows everything that I do and reports back. Gross. <gasps> what the fuck? It's weird. It's it's a little creepy. It's kind of funny when I when I found out it's one of the elders. Like they have an elder assigned to wow, me, to baller Joshua. Nice. Know, Not a cult right? at all. Not a, Not a cult. cult. No, not a cult at all. They're like, Joshua's a suppressive now. Let's get somebody <laughs> I, call I, I honestly think they're just waiting for me to say something they can sue me for. Like, because yeah. they hate me. They hate oh, yeah. me. I well, talk a lot I... of shit about them. <laughs> Good. And yeah. keep doing it. Do not shut up. No, yeah. I won't. <clears throat> I mean, we all get to tell the truth. And we all get to make new decisions and create new traditions and new rhythms for ourselves. Yes. We can choose those things. And if you are feeling overwhelmed by the holidays, looming ahead or feeling like your family's going to talk about the war on Christmas and you're so bored of it because you've already listened to this whole episode, then like <laughs> you get to make those shifts too. So let's make the holidays a little kinder for everybody, whether they celebrate the same ones as you do or not. And yeah, I'm a big fan of just the ubiquitous happy holidays. 
pick and choose among them. You can have any holiday you want. I don't care. No skin off my nose. Have fun with your family or whatever. Or don't. I don't care what you do. And let's not forget the Puritans started the shit. They started the war. So you love them. (laughs) You love them. We are Holy Ghosting. And you can find us on all of these social media sites that Meg and or Lindsay are going to tell you about right now. And if you want to support the podcast, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or you can go to Patreon slash Holy Ghosting and support us there. I would highly suggest you go uh, subscribe on Apple or support us on Patreon because we are recording right after this a Christian Christmas music fantasy draft with Josh who is going to end up with the best Christian Christmas music songs. That is a tongue twister if I have ever heard one. Say that eight times fast. CCM, that's what I should say. So who is going to get the best Amy Grant song? That's what I want to know. Like clearly it's going to boil down to, there's going to be others. There's a smattering of others. But when it comes to Christian Christmas music, Amy is the queen. So go sign up on our Patreon and see who ends up with Breath of Heaven. Okay? I'm just saying. It's It's unanimously the best one. It is. I fucking wrote that song down. That's my song. Of course, everyone wrote that song down. I just gave it away. Wait. Everyone wants it. You have to cut that. Go to Patreon and hear the rest of the draft. We're going to make a special playlist that we will put out of all of our picks. So the four of us are going to get the best playlist, Christmas playlist for you to either cry over or laugh over. And please go check out Joshua's new song, Wasted on You. It's on Spotify right now. I'm going to play part of it for everybody right here. A little girl in a manger did not consent. The more you think about it, it just don't make no sense. Singing go support Joshua and Presley. They are the original Sinfluencer. If you know them from way back when the sausage was made, you're an OG fan like us. But get on the trail right now. Joshua and Presley, you guys are so rad, so awesome. Thank you so much. And we will see you on the interwebs. Happy holidays. (laughs) Happy holidays. Merry solstice, everyone. And to all a good night. (laughs) 